What is being taught in our schools across the country? It's always a topic of hot conversation, and it's always something where people will look back on their own day and say that they had it better. But lately, there has been serious conversation about whether we're focused on the right things. Are we focusing enough on the basic skills that students need to learn in their education? Are we focused on other issues, social issues, whether it's racism, whether it's being woke, as they say? Are they being taught that they are proper settler colonial students, or are they not being shamed enough? These are real conversations that people have about the school system, and governments struggle with them as much as parents. But in the politicized world of public education, whether it's here in Ontario or elsewhere across the country, having the wrong opinion can get you in trouble. By now, you may have heard the story of Richard Bilkso. He is a retired uh, Toronto District School Board principal who recently took his own life. Why? Well, the allegation from his family, from his friends, is that he was bullied during a diversity, equity, and inclusion workshop. Hi, I'm Brian Lilly. This is the Full Comment Podcast. And today we're going to take a look at what's going on inside the education system. We'll talk about Richard Bilkso's story, but we'll also talk to someone who is dealing with their own issue, has their own story in terms of how our education system is focused more on social issues that oftentimes don't really belong in the classroom than they are on teaching kids how to read, how to write, how to do math, how to do science how to prepare for their life after school. Before we get to our next guest, though, I do want to remind you that you can and should subscribe to Full Comment on whatever device or app you're listening to us on right now. Hit that subscribe button, leave a review, share this on social media while you still can, and let people know about the interesting and distinct conversations that we have. Our next guest today is Mike Ramsey. He is a school trustee with the Waterloo District School Board, former chair of that board, former police officer and member of the Canadian Armed Forces. He's also been, well, he's been censured by his board before and people want to do it again now because he doesn't have the right opinions. Who's also a friend of Richard Bilkso and joins me now. Mike, thanks for the time. Uh, thank you for having me, uh, Brian. Appreciate it. I, I, I want to talk to you about Richard's story, and I want to hear your thoughts on the, this great tragedy. And, and first off, my condolences for your loss. But let's tell people your story, because that, that will help inform an understanding of Richard and, and, the, and help people understand that the idea that um, Political agendas in the school system is not some made-up far-right talking point, like some are saying in the wake of Richard's story coming out. So, tell me a bit about you and how long have you been on the the Waterloo uh, Region District School Board, and 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 what brought you there? Uh, you know, uh, very good, very good question and um, points that um, you're highlighting. I started on the uh, board in 1989, and um, it was during my tenure as a, um, a police officer with uh, Waterloo Regional uh, Police. And um, the platform I ran on in the 1988 election, I'm dating myself here, was um, whether or not there was a uh, drug problem in our schools that was being ignored. And it was just based on um, certain things or activities that I saw while I uh, uh, walked the beat in uh, downtown uh, Kitchener, and um, we had some inner city. We still have some inner city high schools, uh, 
where I saw certain activities. And so I ran on that uh, platform. I wasn't, uh, I came within 288 votes of being uh, elected. And then right after the election, shortly after the election, one of the uh, trustees that were elected uh, stepped down for an appointment in Mr. Mulroney's um, government, Prime Minister Mulroney, dating myself again. And so I was appointed to fill that uh, that vacancy. And I have been, uh, I was reelected uh, since then. And then in uh, 94, 1994, I was defeated. I didn't run in the uh, 97 election. And then I ran again for office in 2000 and I've been reelected since. So I've been serving uh, in this life on the board since uh, 2000. So for 20, 23 years. And so- you've probably seen a lot of changes in, in education in that time. It, it, has the politics changed around the board table and, and, and in who's driving the agendas? Uh, again, that's a very good question. You know, in terms of the, uh, the politics, there was always, um, um, some members of the uh, board that would be considered uh, conservative and some more um, to the left in their uh, politics, like mostly NDP. And But back number quite a number of years back, uh, it was a different dynamic because you could actually have respectful um, discussions. So you could have discussions where no one's trying to shut anyone down or um, um, not wanting to hear a viewpoint. In fact, one of my... Um, Dear friends, they since um, passed. Um, uh, it could be considered to be one of the um, uh, left trustees to the left in their uh, politics, and mm-hmm. we would uh, have um, some heavy duty discussions at the uh, board table. And after that board meeting, we'd go out for a pint and chit chat. Uh, and that's the kind of stuff because you know we were we might have different viewpoints, but we're there for the main thing, which is. Um, student learning and achievement. And I think that was fully recognized. And, and that is what now is missing with the um, the importation of um, uh, identity politics into uh, into our schools. And you know what? It's, it's something that was just a gradual thing that I think um, escalated under the cover of um, COVID. And so post-COVID... Uh, let, let's talk about identity politics mm-hmm. there because... Mm-hmm. When you were censured and removed for what was it, four months in 2022? Yeah, in three, for three months, yes, I was removed. Oh, for three yeah. months. Um, part of the reason, and I, I've got the um, the court filings in front of me, you fought to have this made public. Yes. One of the reasons was you were critical of some of the teaching on race. I believe it was critical race theory as well. Correct. And, and, and you were chastised for that. Yes. You're the only black man You're on the board. I, I, I was the only uh, person of color on the board at the time since the, uh, the election. Uh, there are two, two more persons of color that were elected. But last year, that was the situation. And, um, you know, it's um, I, I, the easiest thing for me to, to do is to refer to like how things are now is that I just say the uh, Ontario NDP affiliated trustees. That, that's what I'm up against. That's what I was up against last year. And that's what I'm up against um, this year. And they uh, they don't see themselves, uh, in the words of John McWhorter, they don't see themselves as, as having uh, opinions. You know, they're arguing from a gospel. Like, um, um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so if you don't agree with them, 
they're in there that's where the problems uh, start to rise so with regard to critical race theory and there was full denial that it, it is being taught but um, there was a strenuous defense of critical race theory uh, that it should be taught even though it wasn't being taught that, that was the argument that they were trying to uh, make I disagreed um, having been on the board and I've seen um, students um, uh, of all backgrounds. And I think one of the things that was uh, is being ignored that is at the end of the day, you know what, it comes down to um, economics. And so we have um, students um, of all backgrounds that um, there are some, uh, there are poverty issues. Uh, what uh, most of my colleagues uh, wants to support and continue supporting is that they should pick winners and losers out of uh, people that are stricken with uh, poverty. So give a hand up um, uh, based on, on race, which does not do well in terms of um, uh, people coming together and, um, uh, the, you know, like uh, growing up in a neighborhood Okay, uh, why should I, if I am black, get something handed to me because of my economic situation was my next door neighbor who's white uh, can't access that. And so, you know, did they they not understand the the decades of evidence that the the number one uh, and two uh, predictors of outcomes for education are economics and parental involvement. That, that is, well, you know what? Uh, it comes down to evidence is what they say the evidence is. Okay. So if you um, disagree, then you, you're punished. And it brings me to the point where um, uh, the Kojo Institute, for example, I have experience with them in terms of in 2019, they, uh, uh, Kiki Ojo Thompson conducted a um, workshop at our board. And, and just for people uh, who don't know the full story, you'll hear a bunch about the Kojo Institute in a moment when we're talking about Richard Bilkso. They were the company, and Kiki Ojo Thompson was the facilitator that running the seminar um, that Richard Bilkso and and his family said, let, and the Workplace Safety Insurance Board said, led to him being bullied at work, so you you had experience with uh, with them as well previously. Oh, oh yes, the, um, Kiki, the Kojo Institute um, conducted a workshop, uh, lack of a better word, at our board in uh, 2019, I believe it was, and it was with a group of what we call system leaders. So it's basically uh, principals, vice principals, managers, and so forth. And um, uh, I first came to understand what her approach was in terms of um, she was having a discussion with respect to um, the use of the N-word in schools, in school settings. And one of our administrators uh, stood up and asked uh, the question that, okay, well, how do you handle um, when racialized students are themselves using the N-word? And um, her response was not word for word, not verbatim, but was to to chastise the the principal uh, or whoever it was. I don't know if it was the vice principal or principal, but the administrator, to chastise that administrator in front of all his uh, his peers. I regret when seeing what happened to my friend um, Richard uh, Bilsko, and I'll tell you a little bit more about how we, we came to know each other, but uh, I regret having no, now knowing what happened with Richard. I regret not having stood up 
at that uh, event back in 2019 and to um, to challenge uh, the assertions that um, that she was making. And um, she went on from there and obviously received um, quite a number of uh, contracts and um, it seems like decision makers were competing with each other to praise her work, uh, for, to praise her for insulting them. I, I, it was unbelievable. So, so was her was her view that the N word should never be used, but if racialized students are using it, that's good. That's basically the inference that was um, being drawn from uh, how she came on to the uh, the administrator. Yes, I'm not sure that it's a word that administrators or teachers should be welcoming, encouraging, or even accepting in school. Exactly. It should not, it should not be accepted in any form, but it seemed like there was a tacit endorsement that, okay, if uh, black students are doing it, it's okay. But if it's in, in is, if it has anything. Well, can an Asian student do it then? Uh, well, and that's where, that's where the line seems to be drawn. Wait, what, what about a South Asian student? Good, good question. And this is where, <laughs> I think this is where the, the administrator was going, right? With the question before um, he was um, shut down. I walk the streets of Toronto. I hear. Yes. Kids using this all the time. Yes. And so is there is there a pigment test to decide when it can and can't be used? Well, you know what? That would be a very good question for uh, for Ms. Um, Thompson, because um, that seems to be the narrative, you know? Oh, the, you mentioned that you spoke against critical race theory um, at a board meeting. Yes. You didn't think it should be taught. Some of your colleagues thought it should be. There has been um, complete denials that it's ever shown up in Ontario schools. And then myself and other journalists get the material sent to us. And there very much is a push to get critical race theory taught in our schools. Why are you opposed to it? What do you see critical race theory as and why are you opposed to it? Well, you know what? I just look at it as um, it's... The, the only way to describe it is that it's just—it's looking at black people as um, I, I believe as failures. Like you always need a, a hand up, and uh, there are a lot of students. I went through the school system. Okay, I went through the school system. I, I attended um, um, Eric Hoffman Public School. It's now called Hillside because the name Eric Hoffman has been canceled. Um, that was that's a discussion for another day, perhaps, but. And so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I just look at it as how we're, we're being treated like kids. And there are actually are consultants out there telling um, administrators and decision makers that we ought to be treated like kids. And I find that repulsive. Well, since you mentioned uh, John McWhorter earlier, I'll mention him now. And for people that don't read him, you really should. Yes. Uh, he, he, Professor McWhorter has argued that it is not a movement that helps black students. It is uh, very much like you, a belief that this is uh, not something that's going to to assist students. But it, it, it appears that um, a good number of people, it, to, to me, it's, it's about a specific ideology that has little to do with race, but uses race. That's when I see the material that is sent to me that is taught to either administrators or students I think this is um, extreme left-wing political material using race to push the ideology. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no other way to describe it. Um, 
there's full denial on um, the part of many of my colleagues that this is actually happening uh, in our schools. But as you mentioned, there the evidence is there, and there's no denial of the evidence that is there that this is actually um, happening. And 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 my my other issue with it is it's almost always imported from the United States and uses American examples, and Canada's black population is vastly different. That is correct. The, Again, than the United States in terms uh, I would of their history. This, I, I would agree with you on that. I would suggest I don't have the stats in front of me, but um, I do know I saw some stats before that most of the uh, blacks uh, in Canada are um, immigrants that chose to come here. Okay. And mm-hmm. not willingly uh, chose to, 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 to come here. And I think what uh, many of us are finding out that we come here for, um, for a better life, and uh, many of the people that we as uh, immigrants ran away from are also here. They also came in under the same rules. And I would suggest that they're the ones that are um, uh, pushing this race thing. They want, they want, they don't want the races uh, getting along. And that's why they need to have, um, uh, like, continuously have victims because that's how these companies um, survive. Unfortunately, you know, it takes away and it distracts from the real, some of the real issues that confront us. And I'm not saying that we don't have issues uh, uh, about mm-hmm. race, but you know what? I think, uh, again, inspired by John McWhorter, um, it, the, the best way to describe these DEI uh, consultants is that they're fighting a battle that's already been won. They're fighting bo- battles from the 1960s. You know, no one is standing in front of the school doors um, with armed guards telling you that you can't come in. Okay, that we're inside the, the building. So um, what are some of the things that we can model? Who can we learn from? Uh, I was at a conference last weekend um, with um, Urban Student in the World um, Summit that he was um, holding about post-pandemic um, learning. And there was a gentleman, um, a professional engineer, uh, Mr. Uh, Terry Branch, and he was talking about the value of mentorship, for example. Those are all positive things that actually, you know what? Um, it doesn't seem to be welcome in, in our school system because of the way um, the Ontario Affiliated uh, Trustees um, on boards, uh, those things are shut out because that's too positive. You know, mentorship and actually seeing um, someone like you in a uh, role that can actually discuss the obstacles and how they navigated around those obstacles instead of telling kids, well, okay, everything you do, anything that someone does to you that's negative, it's because uh, you're black. I reject that because that is not the case. I've sat on the um, discipline committee at our board um, for uh, the majority of uh, the, my years of service, and I continue to serve on that committee. And it doesn't hold up in terms of the... Um, what I see coming through um, the discipline committee and uh, the things that um, will um, start a discipline process, for example, not just for black kids, for all kids. And when you come right down to the common denominator, um, most of uh, all these uh, behaviors and so forth has nothing to do with race. I can tell you that just from my experience uh, sitting on the discipline committee. So I was shocked um, when all these other things started to get uh, imported and Parents are being misled to believe that um, mental health challenges has nothing to do with someone's or child, their child's behavior. Uh, the child is being sanctioned because of um, race. 
And that may very well be the case in a very small amount of uh, situations, but it certainly uh, isn't uh, the, to the extent that the um, Kiki Ojo Thompsons of the world uh, would like us to, uh, to believe. Let's talk about your friend Richard. I did not know him. I've uh, read a lot about him since. I've spoken to many of his friends. Um, he was a man who dedicated a lot of his life to education, including racialized Canadians, new immigrants, people who um, were not successful at first in life in trying to get their diploma because he spent a lot of time at the adult high school uh, helping people achieve success. So tell me what you know about Richard, how you came to know him. How I came to know Richard, uh, when I was going through my challenges uh, last year with the Code of Conduct, where I was put out of the board for um, for three months for, um, you know, talking about critical race theory and how it's not a good thing or good fit for our board. And when I was sanctioned, it was uh, received um, widespread attention in the media across Ontario and I guess across Canada, because I heard from people across Canada. And Richard reached out. I never knew him before. This was last year. So it's, I've only known him for about a year and a, and a half. And he reached out and uh, we had a, quite a number of conversations where he was saying, hey, look, you know, the, the basically the same thing happened to me where you are challenging a, uh, a narrative actually with uh, evidence. And he shared um, about his time uh, teaching in Buffalo. So he was speaking from a place where he he fully understood the uh, the American system of education and what goes on in the United States. And I've listened to the uh, to the audio of the interview. Uh, he told me about what took place, and then when I listened to the audio, my my heart uh, just bleeds in terms of what he was saying. I could see him saying it because. He was telling the truth. It was coming from a place of truth, in my in my opinion. And so, what the facilitator happened, of this workshop at the Toronto District School Board, Kiki Ojo Thompson, she was making the case that racism f- is worse if you're black in Canada than in the United States. Right. Richard Bilkso disputed that and said, "Didn't say there's no racism. Didn't say there's no problems." but said we have a more just society in Canada due to the, the way the education system works, due to the way the healthcare system works. Do you believe, Richard, do you believe Kiki Ojo Thompson on, 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 the, on that claim okay, you know, that racism's worse in Canada? I believe Richard 100%. Okay, I've never lived in the United States. I've done a lot of uh, reading on the, the, the history and as I mentioned, you know, about what John McWhorter said, they're fighting the racism of the 1960s. Um, here, it's a totally different setup. And that was not my um, experience in school. And that was not the experience of kids that I went to school with uh, at Air Kaufman back in the, uh, in, in, in the 70s. So it came as a, um, as a huge uh, surprise. Um, but as, you know, as Thomas Sowell, another person I read he says you know racism is like ketchup you can spread it on everything okay and <laughs> you know what and it keeps coming back in terms of the um uh, the money that can be made from it you know i believe just my opinion that is one of the uh, the motivators right now i'm trying to find out from our board uh from about um two weeks ago um i put in a request just to find out how much we paid out not just to uh, Ojo Thompson, but to other um, consulting firms. 
And this was on the heels of a motion being defeated at the board, uh, at our board meeting back in May or June, where I was asking for the board to support the director bringing a report for any contracts that pays over $250 or $300 an hour, something like that, uh, to the board to keep us surprised so we know what is where the spending is happening and what is it about and what are these on workshop. Thankfully, built with Bill 98 uh, and the proclamation of the, um, uh, some issues to do with uh, PD days or professional, professional activity days, I think um, uh, Minister uh, Lecce um, uh, has twigged to what is going on uh, with these PA days. So now boards are required by law to post um, the PA day activities, who the speakers are and all those things so that parents have access to that at least, I think it's 10 or 14 days prior to the uh, event. That is a step in the right direction, for example. Most of us didn't know that groups like the Kojo Institute and others were holding these workshops. And so I've listened to the audio as well. I've read transcripts of of what happened. I've read the Toronto Star's coverage claiming that all the uh, all the people saying Kojo Institute acted improperly or just false. That's not how I hear what happened there. Richard Bilkso disputed the idea that Canada was more racist than the United States, said it would do a disservice to our learners, meaning the students, if we went into the classroom and told them that. He was effectively labeled a white supremacist after that. Well, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And you know what? Uh, It may, I'm not sure if it will come as a surprise to you that I was also labeled as a white supremacist. Okay. I was called a right supremacist by uh, many of the people that uh, my colleagues uh, associate with and uh, and follow and um, receive at the board courteously, as opposed to other parents um, coming to um, ask reasonable uh, questions of the board. So that is the mindset. And I think um, uh, we can't uh, be uh, be afraid of um, that kind of vitriol that's uh, thrown up, thrown at us. Uh, I think we just need to understand that we're going to have to steal ourselves, right, um, to being called uh, those names and just move on from there, really. Um, I've been called, in my case, in, in addition to being called a white supremacist, I was called an Uncle Tom, an Uncle Clarence, and all these things that are designed to get you to shut up so that they can carry on with their ideology and the practice of their religion. They don't seeking you, you're um, you're not the right type of black man, is what they're trying to say. Well, yeah, exactly. They uh, think I'm the wrong kind of black, and um, I truly believe that uh, last year, <laughs> um, the uh, this move with the code of conduct was designed in a way to um, prevent my uh, my re election to the board. That's how I'm viewing it. Uh, I ran for um, for reelection. I was reelected in October 2022, and uh, now. With this latest uh, complaint, I think it points to the uh, my um, colleagues on the board, the Ontario uh, New Democratic Party affiliated trustees, um, refusing to accept the results of the 2022 election, um, and they they threw everything but the kitchen sink during the election campaign. I won re-election, and they continue. Uh, this harassment um, using um, frivolous uh, code of conduct um, charges um, that has no merit. All right, Mike, we will get more into your latest um, issue 
when we come back. And we'll also talk more about Richard and what parents and voters can do to try and shake up the 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 school boards and how they're operating or maybe bill 98's already done it and you can tell us that when we come back after this quick break martin luther king famously said he had a dream that one day his four young children would be judged by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin and from what you're telling me mike it it sounds like people are turning their back on martin luther king's vision and they want to judge people first based on the color of their skin. And it's it, it it's not the folks who are described as racist doing that the most. It's the people who say they're fighting racism. I, I, w- I would agree with that. You know, um, I look at um, why I totally agree with uh, the, the viewpoints of uh, Martin Luther King. And, you know, if you look at the foundation that he set, and instead of um, the... Uh, this, instead of persons trying to build on that foundation, because as I mentioned about uh, what John McCord has said, they're fighting the racism of the 60s. Um, Martin Luther King won that battle. Okay. Nobody's standing in front of the schools. I said, like, you know, like uh, holding the school doors and saying that you can't come in. We're in the schools and we could build from that foundation. But you know what? Uh, the comedian Chris Rock said there's no money uh, in that. The money's in the comeback. Okay. So they always have to have um, that that bogeyman about um, racism and so forth. And um, without looking at the new challenges that students, all students are facing, all students in the school building, the, the mental health um, uh, challenges um, that has been uh, revealed or um, uh, pushed uh, since um, COVID, you know, like the impact of uh, COVID. So I mentioned about the conference on the weekend there um, a couple of weekends ago. Uh, we have a huge problem, and this ideology and this um, uh, discussion and um, emphasis on uh, race is distracting from the real issues around student learning and achievement. And I think you mentioned about Bill 98 and what it's uh, intended to do. I wholeheartedly endorsed uh, Bill 98 as a step in the, uh, in the right direction. Um, it, it, it gives the ministry the ability to get more information from the boards and at times to impose decisions. Yes, yes definitely. And one of the things that I, I met uh, very briefly, uh, Minister um, Lecce at uh, Queen's Park back in um, February of this year, I was able to chat with him briefly. And what I came away from the discussion with was that um, he was fully committed to finding solutions. He said he's a solutions-based uh, person. Uh, is looking for uh, solutions uh, to the issues. And so when I saw um, when uh, Bill 98 was uh, tabled, I go, wow, you know what? He is listening because parents have a, a lot of concerns. Now, in Bill 98, these policies and these um, laws doesn't come off the, jump off the wall and enforce themselves. And I think the next step, obviously, is that the minister is going to have to take a close look and to say, well, you know what? I need to um, make sure that there are prescriptive policies and regulations that follow up on these laws. If not, left-wing boards are going to find a way around this and to still frustrate um, parents. To the extent that the law talks about refocusing on student learning achievement, very impressed with that. But again, um, what happens to the the translation in the bureaucracy? And I think that's where it has to become very, uh, very prescriptive. If not, 
I, I can predict, I almost want to predict that boards will continue to operate as if Bill 98 does not exist. And, and the politics will be injected into the classroom further. And oh, oh, I don't think most... Yeah. I don't think most parents send their kids to school to be politicized. I think they, they send them for an education. Well, you know, the other thing, Ryan, as you mentioned that about uh, parents, is that what I'm learning, and I'm trying to get the actual figures, but I consider this to be a fairly reliable source. Um, a parent that is involved with um, the equivalent to homeschooling told me that uh, there are over 4,000 kids in Waterloo Region alone that are doing the equivalent to, to homeschooling. They, so a bunch of parents getting together, having forming what they call pods, mm-hmm. educating their kids in the in, in the in church basements, because and there in some cases, the parents and their kids are walking right by a, a public school where it wouldn't cost them a penny because they've already paid for it in their taxes to pay to have their kids educated in the church basement. Not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with church basement because many schools started in church basement back in the day. So saying that is that that points to us having a problem. There's a problem with confidence in, in what is being uh, delivered. And this is where the ministry, uh, this uh, focus on our re- wanting to refocus education, if they're very serious about it, then the prescriptive regulations are going to come from Bill 98. If not, parents will continue to abandon the school system. I'm pretty sure the minister would probably have the numbers of every kid in Waterloo Region that's uh, elementary school or uh, high school um, age uh, in Waterloo Region and could actually tell the numbers in terms of uh, how many kids are enrolled because the funding follows the kids. So if they're not enrolled in in a public or Catholic school, the money doesn't flow. So for our board, if I look at four thousand, um, uh, it's about twelve thousand a student. That, that that's thirty six million dollars. Okay, that is being uh, passed up, and we have the space for those kids, and they're not attending our schools. We have a big problem. So, uh, let me come back to to Richard and, and and what happened with him, because I think it it speaks to how boards operate. So. One training session happens. He is effectively labeled a white supremacist. Next training session happens. He is, you know, referred to as an example of upholding white supremacy and resisting what must be unlearned or learned, according to the Kojo Institute. None of Richard's peers spoke up. None of the bosses at the board spoke up. They, according to the lawsuit that he had launched against the TDSB before his passing, no support was ever offered. Are boards afraid to say no to people that, that, that show up with this message? Are they afraid to, to stand up for their employees or, in your case, their trustees? Well, you know what? I, I would say that it's not a matter of um, in this current climate, I wouldn't suggest that boards are afraid. I think boards are actually like this and they encourage it because as a trustee, I can't even be critical of it. I cannot raise a question and say, is this acceptable? Okay. For this to be happening, for us to be sponsoring this somewhere, somewhere in the woodwork, somebody's offended by that. And that starts another code of uh, conduct uh, complaint. That's how this works. So they, boards are actually, I would say, well, uh, whether they're doing it consciously or not, they're promoting this. 
it's part of the promotion. Um, sorry, you were going to. Well, it, it just it, it seems like they should be standing up for their employees or the people that they represent rather than standing up for for people who, according to the Workplace uh, Safety Insurance Board of Ontario, were engaged in bullying. Well, you know what? I've had a um, number of uh, employees uh, complain to me as to be as to how they were um, treated in some of these um, workshops on equity, not necessarily run by uh, Kojo Institute, but other um, DEI consultants that were, uh, would have been hired. And basically, they were quietly taken aside and said, look, you know, if you want to um, uh, pr- protect your career, um, please don't raise that again. That's the message that they're receiving. So boards are discouraging anyone from, um, I would say, anecdotally, from coming forward to, to uh, put their concerns. So people run for the hills, okay? As in Richard's case, um, they, he had some colleagues that, um, from what I learned, like that were um, supportive of him. But the bulk of them, it's not as if they didn't support him, but they were afraid for their careers, well, one actively supported the Cocho Institute and was later named the Director of Education for the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Oh, oh yeah. Board, so you're so. speaking of um, people that are uh, senior uh, to him. I'm, I, I heard about uh, about that. And again, that's why I'm saying I'm not um, surprised. I just learned um, this morning uh, from a podcast from, um, uh, I can allow to say, Jonathan Kay had a podcast and I yeah. listened to it. And um, he was talking about some stuff down in Sarnia and the Kojo Institute. And the city councilor down there is actually saying that um, social service agencies are down there um, looking for letters of support for Kojo Institute to actually endorse <laughs> the, the behavior of uh, Kojo Institute. You know, <laughs> so, the stuff up. <laughs> what can parents do then um, to keep the politics? Uh, out of their classroom. I mean, you supported a a uh, a petition that said there must be a path to reconciliation with Indigenous Canadians that doesn't include shaming and guilting students that uh, for for things they personally didn't do. That was part of why you were chastised. That was part so, of the complaint last year. Uh, for the yeah, that was part of the complaint that got you censured. Yeah. So. What can parents actually do? Parents and grandparents who are concerned about what's going on in in, in their schools. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, um, a couple of my colleagues and myself have encouraged, and, and we've been engaging with um, parents from all backgrounds, is to say that they need to uh, get their message to Minister Lecce because he's the one with the power um, to make things happen. We have Bill ninety eight. And what I've been encouraging parents, with, uh, in line with uh, Minister Lecce's commitment to finding solutions, we now have Bill 98, and I've been encouraging parents to engage with him and to write write to him and to share their concerns and to give uh, give to him the concrete examples that they've been giving to me and uh, a couple of my other uh, colleagues that are willing to listen. And they have some valid um, concerns. I'm not saying everything that they um, come to me with is 100% like, um, you know, they're 100% correct or anything like that. But they do have valid concerns. They do have a right to um, to know what's going on. Like when they send their kids to school, that their kids are not going to be coming home crying. They do have to, they, they, they need to have that kind of confidence in the school system. 
And this is running amok with um, the ideology and the bowing down to this uh, religion that has um, been adopted by activist boards. You, you keep saying it's a religion. Explain to folks what you mean by okay. that. Because it's it's not like you're talking about the Anglicans or the Baptists or or, or Islam. So I, I, the, the one way to describe it is that if you, whatever they're telling you, uh, like not you, but um, whatever they're saying. In you're terms, talking the Ontario, what you refer to as the Ontario affiliate, NDP affiliated trustees. Yeah. So basically they want you to adopt their viewpoint of, about uh, race relations and how we're going to fix any issues to do with race race relations. And, it's just their wisdom alone that counts. So if you have any questions, then you're considered to be a, a what they would call it in real religion, a, a heretic. heretic, heretic, heretic. Yeah, and that's how they view uh, they view you. So basically, uh, unless you agree 100 percent with what they're doing, you're going to have a problem. That's basically what it comes down to, and they weaponize uh, codes of conduct to enforce this. Uh, in uh, in real religion, you might be tossed out of your um, church, or in, um, other church members don't talk to you. Well, the equivalent of that is going on at the at the board um, uh, right now. They, they they don't even feel like they should even tolerate you, even though uh, you were sent there by by voters, the same voters that sent them there. It. Um... It's an interesting place that education is at, and uh, perhaps I'm I'm glad that my kids are are out of that part of the uh, the school system at this point because it uh, things that I was seeing ten years ago appear to have only gotten worse, Mike. Yes, it, it has, and I think this current government, who I support, they, you know, if for nothing else other than the fact also that the alternative is saying the government is going too far. Can you imagine that? Bill ninety eight is saying they want to refocus. Um, uh, boards to student learning and achievement. And the opposition is saying, we want nothing to do with that. Uh, things are just fine. And that's with the evidence that probably, what, 4,000 kids in Waterloo Region alone are walking past schools on a daily basis, going to be educated in pods. That that cannot yeah. be allowed um, to, to, to continue. Parents from all background, I would suggest, they want their kids educated. They don't care about whether, I've said it before, whether or not it's green shirt day or blue shirt day or whatever it is. They want their kids educated and they don't want their kids coming home crying. Okay. And each kid should be treated equally without exception. Um, that nobody's, um, this oppressed, uh, the oppressed and the oppressor that needs to come out of our uh, school buildings. And Minister Lecce has the power to do that. And I hope, um, uh, the premier, who I respect a lot, that um, you know, uh, I, he'll hear the voices of um, uh, of what uh, parents right across Ontario. Uh, parents are not happy, and as I shared uh, anecdotally and um, informally at uh, Queen's Park in February, there are problems out in the republics. Those are my words to the uh, to the premier. It problems out in the republics about education, and it needs to be fixed. And you know what? It was refreshing. I'm not saying it was inspired by me because that I think that probably uh, the plans were in the works with regard to mm -hmm. Bill 98. And I think um, if any of your listeners um, want uh, are looking for some advice from a perspective of a trustee as to what to do, uh, share their concerns with Minister Lecce, ask him to enforce the powers that the legislature just granted to him when uh, Bill 98 received royal assent. 
We'll leave it on that uh, note of hope. Mike Ramsey, thanks so much. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Full Comment is a post-media podcast. My name is Brian Lilly. This episode was produced by Andre Prude with theme music by Bryce Hall. Kevin Libin is the executive producer. Remember, you can subscribe to Full Comment on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Amazon Music, whatever app or device you're listening on. Hit the subscribe button. Help us out by leaving a rating or review and tell your friends all about us. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Brian Lilly.